Section one of Lourdes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please contact LibriVox.org. Lourdes by Emile Zola, translated by Ernest Visitelli. The first day, one, pilgrims and patients. The pilgrims and patients, closely packed on the hard seats of the third-class carriage, were just finishing the Ave Maristella which they had begun to chant on leaving the terminus of the Orléans line, when Marie, slightly raised on her couch of misery and restless with feverish impatience, caught sight of the Paris fortifications through the window of the moving train. "'Ah, the fortifications!' she exclaimed, in a tone which was joyous despite her suffering. "'Here we are, out of Paris. We are off at last.' Her delight drew a smile from her father, Monsieur de Guersin, who sat in front of her, whilst abbe pierre froment who was looking at her with fraternal affection was so carried away by his compassionate anxiety as to say aloud and now we are in for it till to-morrow morning we shall only reach lourdes at three forty we have more than two and twenty hours journey before us it was half-past five the sun had risen radiant in the pure sky of a delightful morning it was a friday the nineteenth of august on the horizon however some small heavy clouds already presaged a terrible day of stormy heat and the oblique sun rays were enfilading the compartments of the railway carriage filling them with dancing golden dust yes two and twenty hours murmured marie relapsing into anguish mon dieu what a long time we must still wait then her father helped her to lie down again in the narrow box a kind of wooden gutter in which she had been living for seven years past making an exception in her favour the railway officials had consented to take as luggage the two pairs of wheels which could be removed from the box or fitted to it whenever it became necessary to transport her from place to place packed between the sides of this movable coffin she occupied the room of three passengers on the carriage seat and for a moment she lay there with eyes closed although she was three-and-twenty her ashen emaciated face was still delicately infantile charming despite everything in the midst of her marvellous fair hair the hair of a queen which illness had respected clad with the utmost simplicity in a gown of thin woollen stuff she wore hanging from her neck the card bearing her name and number which entitled her to hospitalisation or free treatment she herself had insisted on making the journey in this humble fashion not wishing to be a source of expense to her relatives who little by little had fallen into very straitened circumstances and thus it was that she found herself in a third-class carriage of the white train the train which carried the greatest sufferers the most woeful of the fourteen trains going to lourdes that day the one in which in addition to five hundred healthy pilgrims nearly three hundred unfortunate wretches weak to the point of exhaustion racked by suffering were heaped together and borne at express speed from one to the other end of france sorry that he had saddened her pierre continued to gaze at her with the air of a compassionate elder brother he had just completed his thirtieth year and was pale and slight with a broad forehead after busying himself with all the arrangements for the journey he had been desirous of accompanying her and having obtained admission among the hospitallers of our lady of salvation as an auxiliary member wore on his cassock the red orange-tipped cross of a bearer Monsieur de guersin on his side had simply pinned the little scarlet cross of the pilgrimage on his grey cloth jacket the idea of travelling appeared to delight him although he was over fifty he still looked young and with his eyes ever wandering over the landscape he seemed unable to keep his head still 
a bird-like head it was with an expression of good nature and absent-mindedness however in spite of the violent shaking of the train which constantly drew sighs from marie sister hyacinthe had risen to her feet in the adjoining compartment she noticed that the sun's rays were streaming in the girl's face pull down the blind monsieur l'abbé she said to pierre come come we must install ourselves properly and set our little household in order clad in the black robe of a sister of the assumption enlivened by a white coif a white wimple and a large white apron sister hyacinthe smiled the picture of courageous activity her youth bloomed upon her small fresh lips and in the depths of her beautiful blue eyes whose expression was ever gentle she was not pretty perhaps still she was charming slender and tall the bib of her apron covering a flat chest like that of a young man one of good heart displaying a snowy complexion and overflowing with health gaiety and innocence but this sun is already roasting us said she pray pull down your blind as well madame seated in the corner near the sister was madame de jonquiere who had kept her little bag on her lap she slowly pulled down the blind dark and well built she was still nice looking although she had a daughter raymonde who was four-and-twenty and whom for motives of propriety she had placed in the charge of two lady hospitallers madame des agneaux and madame bolmar in a first-class carriage for her part directress as she was of a ward of the hospital of our lady of dolour at lourdes she did not quit her patients and outside swinging against the door of her compartment was the regulation placard bearing under her own name those of the two sisters of the assumption who accompanied her the widow of a ruined man she lived with her daughter on the scanty income of four or five thousand francs a year at the rear of a courtyard in the rue vanneau but her charity was inexhaustible and she gave all her time to the work of the hospitality of our lady of salvation an institution whose red cross she wore on her gown of carmelite poplin and whose aims she furthered with the most active zeal of a somewhat proud disposition fond of being flattered and loved she took great delight in this annual journey from which both her heart and her passion derived contentment you are right sister she said we will organize matters i really don't know why i am encumbering myself with this bag and thereupon she placed it under the seat near her wait a moment resumed sister hyacinthe you have the water-can between your legs it is in your way no no it isn't i assure you let it be it must always be somewhere then they both set their house in order as they expressed it so that for a day and a night they might live with their patients as comfortably as possible the worry was that they had not been able to take marie into their compartment as she wished to have pierre and her father near her however neighbourly intercourse was easy enough over the low partition moreover the whole carriage with its five compartments of ten seats each formed but one moving chamber a common room as it were which the eye took in at a glance from end to end between its wooden walls bare and yellow under its white painted panelled roof it showed like a hospital ward with all the disorder and promiscuous jumbling together of an improvised ambulance basins brooms and sponges lay about half hidden by the seats then as the train only carried such luggage as the pilgrims could take with them there were valises deal boxes bonnet boxes and bags a wretched pile of poor worn-out things mended with bits of string heaped up a little bit everywhere and overhead the litter began again what with articles of clothing parcels and baskets hanging from brass pegs and swinging to and fro without a pause amidst all this frippery the more afflicted patients stretched on their narrow mattresses which took up the room of several passengers 
were shaken carried along by the rumbling gyrations of the wheels whilst those who were able to remain seated leaned against the partitions their faces pale their heads resting upon pillows according to the regulations there should have been one lady hospitaller to each compartment however at the other end of the carriage there was but a second sister of the assumption sister claire des anges some of the pilgrims who were in good health were already getting up eating and drinking one compartment was entirely occupied by women ten pilgrims closely pressed together young ones and old ones all sadly pitifully ugly and as nobody dared to open the windows on account of the consumptives in the carriage the heat soon began to make itself felt and an unbearable odour arose set free as it were by the jolting of the train as it went its way at express speed they had said their chaplets at juvisy and six o'clock was striking and they were rushing like a hurricane past the station of bretigny when sister hyacinthe rose up it was she who directed the pious exercises which most of the pilgrims followed from small blue covered books the angelus my children said she with her pleasant smile her maternal air which her great youth rendered so charming and so sweet then the aves again followed one another and were drawing to an end when pierre and marie began to feel interested in two women who occupied the other corner seats of their compartment one of them she who sat at marie's feet was a blonde of slender build and bourgeoise appearance some thirty and odd years of age and faded before she had grown old she shrank back scarcely occupying any room wearing a dark dress and showing colourless hair and a long grief-stricken face which expressed unlimited self-abandonment infinite sadness the woman in front of her she who sat on the same seat as pierre was of the same age but belonged to the working classes she wore a black cap and displayed a face ravaged by wretchedness and anxiety whilst on her lap she held a little girl of seven who was so pale so wasted by illness that she seemed scarcely four with her nose contracted her eyelids lowered and showing blue in her waxen face the child was unable to speak unable to give utterance to more than a low plaint a gentle moan which rent the heart of her mother leaning over her each time that she heard it would she eat a few grapes timidly asked the lady who had hitherto preserved silence i have some in my basket thank you madame replied the woman she only takes milk and sometimes not even that willingly i took care to bring a bottle full with me then giving way to the desire which possesses the wretched to confide their woes to others she began to relate her story her name was vincent and her husband a gilder by trade had been carried off by consumption left alone with her little rose who was the passion of her heart she had worked by day and night at her calling as a dressmaker in order to bring the child up but disease had come and for fourteen months now she had had her in her arms like that growing more and more woeful and wasted until reduced almost to nothingness she the mother who never went to mass had one day entered a church impelled by despair to pray for her daughter's cure and there she had heard a voice which had told her to take the little one to lourdes where the blessed virgin would have pity on her acquainted with nobody not knowing even how the pilgrimages were organized she had had but one idea to work save up the money necessary for the journey take a ticket and start off with the thirty sous remaining to her destitute of all supplies save a bottle of milk for the child not having even thought of purchasing a crust of bread for herself what is the poor little thing suffering from resumed the lady oh it must be consumption of the bowels madame but the doctors have names they give it 
at first she only had slight pains in the stomach then her stomach began to swell and she suffered oh so dreadfully it made one cry to see her her stomach has gone down now only she's worn out she has got so thin that she has no legs left her and she's wasting away with continual sweating then as rose raising her eyelids began to moan her mother leant over her distracted and turning pale what is the matter my jewel my treasure she asked do you want to drink but the little girl was already closing her dim eyes of a hazy sky-blue hue and did not even answer but relapsed into her torpor quite white in the white frock she wore a last coquetry on the part of her mother who had gone to this useless expense in the hope that the virgin would be more compassionate and gentle to a little sufferer who was well dressed so immaculately white there was an interval of silence and then madame vincent inquired and you madame it's for yourself no doubt that you are going to lourdes one can see very well that you are ill but the lady with a frightened look shrank woefully into her corner murmuring no no i am not ill would to god that i were i should suffer less her name was madame maz and her heart was full of an incurable grief after a love marriage to a big gay fellow with ripe red lips she had found herself deserted at the end of a twelve months honeymoon ever travelling following the profession of a jeweller's bagman her husband who earned a deal of money would disappear for six months at a stretch deceive her from one frontier to the other of france at times even carrying creatures about with him and she worshipped him she suffered so frightfully from it all that she had sought a remedy in religion and had at last made up her mind to repair to lourdes in order to pray the virgin to restore her husband to her and make him amend his ways although madame vincent did not understand the other's words she realized that she was a prey to great mental affliction and they continued looking at one another the mother whom the sight of her dying daughter was killing and the abandoned wife whom her passion cast into throes of death-like agony however pierre who like marie had been listening to the conversation now intervened he was astonished that the dressmaker had not sought free treatment for her little patient the association of our lady of salvation had been founded by the augustine fathers of the assumption after the franco-german war with the object of contributing to the salvation of france and the defence of the church by prayer in common and the practice of charity and it was this association which had promoted the great pilgrimage movement in particular initiating and unremittingly extending the national pilgrimage which every year towards the close of august set out for lourdes an elaborate organization had been gradually perfected donations of considerable amounts were collected in all parts of the world sufferers were enrolled in every parish and agreements were signed with the railway companies to say nothing of the active help of the little sisters of the assumption and the establishment of the hospitality of our lady of salvation a widespread brotherhood of the benevolent in which one beheld men and women mostly belonging to society who under the orders of the pilgrimage managers nursed the sick helped to transport them and watched over the observance of good discipline a written request was needed for the sufferers to obtain hospitalisation which dispensed them from making the smallest payment in respect either of their journey or their sojourn they were fetched from their homes and conveyed back thither and they simply had to provide a few provisions for the road by far the greater number were recommended by priests or benevolent persons who superintended the inquiries concerning them and obtained the needful papers such as doctor's certificates and certificates of birth and these matters being settled the sick ones had nothing further to trouble about they became but so much suffering flesh food for miracles in the hands of the hospitalers of either sex 
but you need only have applied to your parish priest madame pierre explained this poor child is deserving of every sympathy she would have been immediately admitted i did not know it monsieur l'abbé then how did you manage why monsieur l'abbé i went to take a ticket at a place which one of my neighbors who reads the newspapers told me about she was referring to the tickets at greatly reduced rates which were issued to the pilgrims possessed of means and marie listening to her felt great pity for her and also some shame for she who was not entirely destitute of resources had succeeded in obtaining hospitalisation thanks to pierre whereas that mother and her sorry child after exhausting their scanty savings remained without a copper however a more violent jolt of the carriage drew a cry of pain from the girl oh father she said pray raise me a little i can't stay on my back any longer when monsieur de guersin had helped her into a sitting posture she gave a deep sigh of relief they were now at etampes after a run of an hour and a half from paris and what with the increased warmth of the sun the dust and the noise weariness was becoming apparent already madame de jonquiere had got up to speak a few words of kindly encouragement to marie over the petition and sister hyacinthe moreover again rose and gaily clapped her hands that she might be heard and obeyed from one to the other end of the carriage come come said she we mustn't think of our little troubles let us pray and sing and the blessed virgin will be with us she herself then began the rosary according to the rite of our lady of lourdes and all the patients and pilgrims followed her this was the first chaplet the five joyful mysteries the annunciation the visitation the nativity the purification and jesus found in the temple then they all began to chant the canticle let us contemplate the heavenly archangel their voices were lost amid the loud rumbling of the wheels you heard but the muffled surging of that human wave stifling within the closed carriage which rolled on and on without a pause although monsieur de guersin was a worshipper he could never follow a hymn to the end he got up sat down again and finished by resting his elbow on the partition and conversing in an undertone with a patient who sat against this same partition in the next compartment the patient in question was a thick-set man of fifty with a good-natured face and a large head completely bald his name was sabatier and for fifteen years he had been stricken with ataxia he only suffered pain by fits and starts but he had quite lost the use of his legs which his wife who accompanied him moved for him as though they had been dead legs whenever they became too heavy weighty like bars of lead yes monsieur he said such as you see me i was formerly fifth-class professor at the lycée charlemagne at first i thought that it was mere sciatica but afterwards i was seized with sharp lightning-like pains red-hot sword thrusts you know in the muscles during nearly ten years the disease kept on mastering me more and more i consulted all the doctors tried every imaginable mineral spring and now i suffer less but i can no longer move from my seat and then after long living without a thought of religion i was led back to god by the idea that i was too wretched and that our lady of lourdes could not do otherwise than take pity on me feeling interested pierre in his turn had leant over the partition and was listening is it not so monsieur l'abbé continued monsieur sabatier is not suffering the best awakener of souls this is the seventh year that i am going to lourdes without despairing of cure this year the blessed virgin will cure me i feel sure of it yes i expect to be able to walk about again i now live solely in that hope monsieur sabatier paused he wished his wife to push his legs a little more to the left 
and pierre looked at him astonished to find such obstinate faith in a man of intellect in one of those university professors who as a rule are such voltarians how could the belief in miracles have germinated and taken root in this man's brain as he himself said great suffering alone explained this need of illusion this blossoming of eternal and consolatory hope and my wife and i resumed the ex-professor are dressed you see as poor folks for i wished to go as a mere pauper this year and applied for hospitalisation in a spirit of humility in order that the blessed virgin might include me among the wretched her children only as i did not wish to take the place of a real pauper i gave fifty francs to the hospitalite and this as you are aware gives one the right to have a patient of one's own in the pilgrimage i even know my patient he was introduced to me at the railway station he is suffering from tuberculosis it appears and seemed to me very low very low a fresh interval of silence ensued well said monsieur sabatier at last may the blessed virgin save him also she who can do everything i shall be so happy she will have loaded me with favours then the three men isolating themselves from the others went on conversing together at first on medical subjects and at last diverging into a discussion on romanesque architecture a propos of a steeple which they had perceived on a hillside and which every pilgrim had saluted with a sign of the cross swayed once more by the habits of cultivated intellect the young priest and his two companions forgot themselves together in the midst of their fellow-passengers all those poor suffering simple-minded folk whom wretchedness stupefied another hour went by two more canticles had just been sung and the stations of toury and les aubrais had been left behind when at beaugency they at last ceased their chat on hearing sister hyacinthe clap her hands and intonate in her fresh sonorous voice parce domine parce populo tuo and then the chant went on all voices became mingled in that ever-surging wave of prayer which stilled pain excited hope and little by little penetrated the entire being harassed by the haunting thought of the grace and cure which one and all were going to seek so far away however as pierre sat down again he saw that marie was very pale and had her eyes closed by the painful contraction of her features he could tell that she was not sleeping are you in great suffering he asked yes yes i suffer dreadfully i shall never last till the end it is this incessant jolting she moaned raised her eyelids and half fainting remained in a sitting posture her eyes turned on the other sufferers in the adjoining compartment la grivotte hitherto stretched out scarce breathing like a corpse had just raised herself up in front of monsieur sabatier she was a tall slipshod singular-looking creature of over thirty with a round ravaged face which her frizzy hair and flaming eyes rendered almost pretty she had reached the third stage of thysis eh mademoiselle she said addressing herself in a hoarse indistinct voice to marie how nice it would be if we could only doze off a little but it can't be managed all these wheels keep on whirling round and round in one's head then although it fatigued her to speak she obstinately went on talking volunteering particulars about herself she was a mattress-maker and with one of her aunts had long gone from yard to yard at bercy to comb and sew up mattresses and indeed it was to the pestilential wool which she had combed in her youth that she ascribed her malady for five years past she had been making the round of the hospitals of paris and she spoke familiarly of all the great doctors 
it was the sisters of charity at the lariboisiere hospital who finding that she had a passion for religious ceremonies had completed her conversion and convinced her that the virgin awaited her at lourdes to cure her i certainly need it said she the doctors say that i have one lung done for and that the other one is scarcely any better there are great big holes you know at first i only felt bad between the shoulders and spat up some froth but then i got thin and became a dreadful sight and now i'm always in a sweat and cough till i think i'm going to bring my heart up and i can no longer spit and i haven't the strength to stand you see i can't eat a stifling sensation made her pause and she became livid all the same i prefer being in my skin instead of in that of the brother in the compartment behind you he has the same complaint as i have but he is in a worse state than i am she was mistaken in the further compartment beyond marie there was indeed a young missionary brother isidore who was lying on a mattress and could not be seen since he was unable to raise even a finger but he was not suffering from phthisis he was dying of inflammation of the liver contracted in senegal very long and lank he had a yellow face with skin as dry and lifeless as parchment the abscess which had formed in his liver had ended by breaking out externally and amidst the continuous shivering of fever vomiting and delirium suppuration was exhausting him his eyes alone were still alive eyes full of unextinguishable love whose flame lighted up his expiring face a peasant face such as painters have given to the crucified christ common but rendered sublime at moments by its expression of faith and passion he was a breton the last puny child of an over-numerous family and had left his little share of land to his elder brothers one of his sisters marthe older than himself by a couple of years accompanied him she had been in service in paris an insignificant maid of all work but withal so devoted to her brother that she had left her situation to follow him subsisting scantily on her petty savings i was lying on the platform resumed la Grivotte, when he was put in the carriage there were four men carrying him but she was unable to speak any further for just then an attack of coughing shook and threw her back upon the seat she was suffocating and the red flush on her cheekbones turned blue sister hyacinthe however immediately raised her head and wiped her lips with a linen cloth which became spotted with blood at the same time madame de jonquiere gave her attention to a patient in front of her who had just fainted she was called madame vetu and was the wife of a petty clockmaker of the mouffetard district who had not been able to shut up his shop in order to accompany her to lourdes and to make sure that she would be cared for she had sought and obtained hospitalisation the fear of death was bringing her back to religion although she had not set foot in church since her first communion she knew that she was lost that a cancer in the chest was eating into her and she already had the haggard orange-hued mark of the cancerous patient since the beginning of the journey she had not spoken a word but suffering terribly had remained with her lips tightly closed then all at once she had swooned away after an attack of vomiting it is unbearable murmured madame de la jonquiere who herself felt faint we must let in a little fresh air sister hyacinthe was just then laying la grivotte to rest on her pillows certainly said she we will open the windows for a few moments but not on this side for i am afraid we might have a fresh fit of coughing open the window on your side madame the heat was still increasing and the occupants of the carriage were stifling in that heavy evil-smelling atmosphere the pure air which came in when the window was opened brought relief however for a moment there were other duties to be attended to a clearance and cleansing the sister emptied the basins out of the window 
whilst the lady hospitaller wiped the shaking floor with a sponge next things had to be set in order and then came a fresh anxiety for the fourth patient a slender girl whose face was entirely covered by a black fichu and who had not yet moved was saying that she felt hungry with quiet devotion madame de jonquiere immediately tendered her services don't you trouble sister she said i will cut her bread into little bits for her marie with the need she felt of diverting her mind from her own sufferings had already begun to take an interest in the motionless sufferer whose countenance was hidden by that black veil for she not unnaturally suspected that it was a case of some distressing facial sore she had merely been told that the patient was a servant which was true but the poor creature a native of picardy named elise rouquet had been obliged to leave her situation and seek a home with a sister who ill-treated her for no hospital would take her in extremely devout she had for many months been possessed by an ardent desire to go to lourdes whilst marie with dread in her heart waited for the fichu to be moved aside madame de jonquiere having cut some bread into small pieces inquired maternally are they small enough can you put them into your mouth thereupon a hoarse voice growled confused words under the black fichu yes yes madame and at last the veil fell and marie shuddered with horror it was a case of lupus which had preyed upon the unhappy woman's nose and mouth ulceration had spread and was hourly spreading in short all the hideous peculiarities of this terrible disease were in full process of development almost obliterating the traces of what once were pleasing womanly lineaments oh look pierre marie murmured trembling the priest in his turn shuddered as he beheld elise rouquet cautiously slipping the tiny pieces of bread into her poor shapeless mouth everyone in the carriage had turned pale at the sight of the awful apparition and the same thought ascended from all those hope-inflated souls ah blessed virgin powerful virgin what a miracle indeed if such an ill were cured we must not think of ourselves my children if we wish to get well resumed sister hyacinthe who still retained her encouraging smile and then she made them say the second chaplet the five sorrowful mysteries jesus in the garden of olives jesus scourged jesus crowned with thorns jesus carrying the cross and jesus crucified afterwards came the canticle in thy help virgin do i put my trust they had just passed through blois for three long hours they had been rolling onward and marie who had averted her eyes from elise rouquet now turned them on a man who occupied a corner seat in the compartment on her left that in which brother isidore was lying she had noticed this man several times already poorly clad in an old black frock coat he looked still young although his sparse beard was already turning grey and short and emaciated he seemed to experience great suffering his fleshless livid face being covered with sweat however he remained motionless ensconced in his corner speaking to nobody but staring straight before him with dilated eyes and all at once marie noticed that his eyelids were falling and that he was fainting away she thereupon drew sister hyacinthe's attention to him look sister one would think that that gentleman is dangerously ill which one my dear child that one over there with his head thrown back general excitement followed all the healthy pilgrims rose up to look and it occurred to madame de jonquiere to call marthe brother isidore's sister and tell her to tap the man's hands question him she added ask what ails him marthe drew near shook the man and questioned him but instead of an answer only a rattle came from his throat and his eyes remained closed 
then a frightened voice was heard saying i think he is going to die the dread increased words flew about advice was tendered from one to the other end of the carriage nobody knew the man he had certainly not obtained hospitalization for no white card was hanging from his neck somebody related however that he had seen him arrive dragging himself along but three minutes or so before the train started and that he had remained quite motionless scarce breathing ever since he had flung himself with an air of intense weariness into that corner where he was now apparently dying his ticket was at last seen protruding from under the band of an old silk hat which hung from a peg near him ah he is breathing again now sister hyacinthe suddenly exclaimed ask him his name however on being again questioned by marthe the man merely gave vent to a low plaint an exclamation scarcely articulated oh how i suffer and thenceforth that was the only answer that could be obtained from him with reference to everything that they wished to know who he was whence he came what his illness was what could be done for him he gave no information but still and ever continued moaning oh how i suffer how i suffer sister hyacinthe grew restless with impatience ah if she had only been in the same compartment with him and she resolved that she would change her seat at the first station they should stop at only there would be no stoppage for a long time the position was becoming terrible the more so as the man's head again fell back he is dying he is dying repeated the frightened voice what was to be done mon dieu the sister was aware that one of the fathers of the assumption father Macias, was in the train with the holy oils ready to administer extreme unction to the dying for every year some of the patients passed away during the journey but she did not dare to have recourse to the alarm signal moreover in the cantine van where sister saint francois officiated there was a doctor with a little medicine chest if the sufferer should survive until they reached poitiers where there would be half an hour's stoppage all possible help might be given to him but on the other hand he might suddenly expire however they ended by becoming somewhat calmer the man although still unconscious began to breathe in a more regular manner and seemed to fall asleep to think of it to die before getting there murmured marie with a shudder to die in sight of the promised land and as her father sought to reassure her she added i am suffering i am suffering dreadfully myself have confidence said pierre the blessed virgin is watching over you she could no longer remain seated and it became necessary to replace her in a recumbent position in her narrow coffin her father and the priest had to take every precaution in doing so for the slightest hurt drew a moan from her and she lay there breathless like one dead her face contracted by suffering and surrounded by her regal fair hair they had now been rolling on ever rolling on for nearly four hours and if the carriage was so greatly shaken with an unbearable spreading tendency it was through being at the rear part of the train the coupling irons shrieked the wheels growled furiously and as it was necessary to leave the windows partially open the dust came in acrid and burning but it was especially the heat which grew terrible a devouring stormy heat falling from a tawny sky which large hanging clouds had slowly covered the hot carriages those rolling boxes where the pilgrims ate and drank where the sick lay in a vitiated atmosphere amid dizzying moans prayers and hymns became like so many furnaces and marie was not the only one whose condition had been aggravated others also were suffering from the journey resting in the lap of her despairing mother who gazed at her with large tear-blurred eyes little rose had ceased to stir 
and had grown so pale that madame mars had twice leant forward to feel her hands fearful lest she should find them cold at each moment also madame sabatier had to move her husband's legs for their weight was so great said he that it seemed as if his hips were being torn from him brother isidore too had just begun to cry out emerging from his accustomed torpor and his sister had only been able to assuage his sufferings by raising him and clasping him in her arms la grivotte seemed to be asleep but a continuous hiccuping shook her and a tiny streamlet of blood dribbled from her mouth madame vetu had again vomited elise rouquet no longer thought of hiding the frightful sore open on her face and from the man yonder breathing hard there still came a lugubrious rattle as though he were at every moment on the point of expiring in vain did madame de jonquiere and sister hyacinthe lavish their attentions on the patients they could but slightly assuage so much suffering at times it all seemed like an evil dream that carriage of wretchedness and pain hurried along at express speed with a continuous shaking and jolting which made everything hanging from the pegs the old clothes the worn-out baskets mended with bits of string swing to and fro incessantly and in the compartment at the far end the ten female pilgrims some old some young and all pitifully ugly sang on without a pause in cracked voices shrill and dreary then pierre began to think of the other carriages of the train that white train which conveyed most if not all of the more seriously afflicted patients these carriages were rolling along all displaying similar scenes of suffering among the three hundred sick and five hundred healthy pilgrims crowded within them and afterwards he thought of the other trains which were leaving paris that day the grey train and the blue train which had preceded the white one the green train the yellow train the pink train the orange train which were following it from hour to hour trains set out from one to the other end of france and he thought too of those which that same morning had started from orleans le mans poitiers bordeaux marseille and carcassonne coming from all parts trains were rushing across that land of france at the same hour all directing their course yonder towards the holy grotto bringing thirty thousand patients and pilgrims to the virgin's feet and he reflected that other days of the year witnessed a like rush of human beings that not a week went by without lourdes beholding the arrival of some pilgrimage that it was not merely france which set out on the march but all europe the whole world that in certain years of great religious fervour there had been three hundred thousand and even five hundred thousand pilgrims and patients streaming to the spot pierre fancied that he could hear those flying trains those trains from everywhere all converging towards the same rocky cavity where the tapers were blazing they all rumbled loudly amid the cries of pain and snatches of hymns wafted from their carriages they were the rolling hospitals of disease at its last stage of human suffering rushing to the hope of cure furiously seeking consolation between attacks of increased severity with the ever-present threat of death death hastened supervening under awful conditions amidst the mob-like scramble they rolled on they rolled on again and again they rolled on without a pause carrying the wretchedness of this world on its way to the divine illusion the health of the infirm the consolation of the afflicted and immense pity overflowed from pierre's heart human compassion for all the suffering and all the tears that consumed weak and naked man he was sad unto death and ardent charity burnt within him the unextinguishable flame as it were of his fraternal feelings towards all things and beings when they left the station of saint pierre des corps at half past ten sister hyacinthe gave the signal and they recited the third chaplet the five glorious mysteries 
the resurrection of our lord the ascension of our lord the mission of the holy ghost the assumption of the most blessed virgin the crowning of the most blessed virgin and afterwards they sang the canticle of bernadette that long long chant composed of six times ten couplets to which the angelic salutation ever recurring serves as a refrain a prolonged lullaby slowly besetting one until it ends by penetrating one's entire being transporting one into ecstatic sleep in delicious expectancy of a miracle end of section one